Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Brian, with my co-host, Ben Brandell. And today we are going to be talking about things you can do outdoors in the winter. A lot of people want to hold up inside. Sometimes it is hard to think of something to go do outside. And maybe your favorite outdoor activity is not a wintertime one. But we have a list of things that we love to do outside. And hopefully you will feel inspired to try some of these after the end of this podcast. But before we get started, it's time to give thanks. You know, the winter month's here, December's here, Christmas is around the corner. Cannot wait for Christmas. Thankful for holidays, thankful for the time with the family, so looking forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. I am thankful for Christmas lights. Mm. That may seem silly, but watching the joy that the Christmas lights, that just right here in my neighborhood where my neighbors have, the joy that it brings my children every night in just this little after supper, we go watch this the singing Christmas tree. The joy that it brings my kids every evening and how excited they are to go do that makes me really happy and brings me joy too. So I'm thankful for Christmas lights. I have just started to kind of liking Christmas lights. So I'm glad to hear you say that because I only like them now because my children love them. So I agree with you so much. I'm so thankful that we can put up lights that kids can enjoy. Yeah, well, to be honest, <laughs> I like them enough to take my kids to go see them, but not put them up. I don't put them up. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. It's kind that. of a waste because the, uh, you know, Aaron, he's one of our listeners and, and our friend. We've talked about him before. Uh, he actually built the house that I live in, and he put these special outlets in in the soffit just for Christmas lights. And I'm totally wasting those those outlets because I don't put Christmas lights up. So I'm a little bit of a Scrooge, but I will take and I enjoy all the Christmas lights that everybody else puts up. But that's the truth the truth about me. So maybe that's one of your outdoor winter activities, putting up Christmas lights or going to see Christmas lights. But we have a whole list of a wide array of things. Doesn't matter where you live, from really, really cold, lots of snow to kind of your more temperate areas. We have a, a list of winter outdoor activities because there are a lot of good ones. And just staying inside, you're going to miss out on a lot of fun and, and a lot of growth and learning and, and, and skill gaining. So Yeah, and uh, to, to kind of get started on uh, what is winter, what are winter months, you know. So here in the Ozarks where we live, I start really seeing winter, not feeling winter, really towards that Thanksgiving months because you talked about it. We're starting to see products change in the stores. We're starting to see lights go up when I'm like, why do we have lights going up yeah. yet? You know, and, and that is kind of that, for me personally, just seeing, not feeling or smelling, but seeing that, man, the winter is around the corner and, or it's or it's almost here. And so for me, what the, what the winter months are, um, technically what the winter months are, I mean, is that in December, that is the kickoff for winter. Now, for this year, that the podcast we're having this podcast will be December twenty first, but that's not the same every year. So December is our start of winter, and then the end of it, surprisingly, is when spring starts, and that would be around that March time. So right. you know, December to March, that is our winter months, and that's what we're wanting to talk about today: is what can you do during the winter months besides just going and, and driving like at Christmas lights? So let's yeah. kick it off. Yeah, for me, when those temperatures start to drop, that's one thing. But, gosh, we we get a roller coaster of temperatures here. I mean, some we may have 75-degree days in, in January and February, and we might have a couple years ago we had negative 20 you know, during the winter. So we get that wide range, so it's kind of hard just to rely on the temperature. But for me, it's really when all the deciduous trees lose their leaves. So for us, depending on the weather, and I say the weather because of the wind, a lot of times the leaves will stay up if we don't get much wind or storms, but really that's in November. Yeah, so in, in November, like, I know a lot of times during our, our firearms deer season, sometimes there's leaves on the trees and sometimes they're completely down if we've had a lot of wind. So that's really usually the middle of November. That's when it really starts to feel like winter for me. I know mm -hmm. the winter solstice isn't until that third week of December usually, but if it's cold and, and the leaves are down, it sure doesn't feel like fall or summer anymore. So right. I, I call that winter, um, and that's really when a lot of these winter activities kick in place and a lot of seasons, if you're talking about 
hunting or trapping or something like that, a lot of those are going to start in, in that November time frame. Yeah, and you also have animals starting to change. So, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about in an episode in the past, check it out if you haven't, um, about hibernation, you know, versus... Um, torpor. Torpor. So do they hibernate? Do they torpor? Um, that's something that you can pay attention to outside as well is, is when you go from cold to warm, you might start seeing some more animals that you didn't see when it was cold. So that is an activity, but being in tune, being aware of what's happening outdoors. Yeah, our patterns change. Like We, a lot of times, become more indoorsy mm-hmm. during that time. Well, animal and fish patterns are animal and fish, like fish aren't animals. Mammal and fish patterns change as well. So a lot of your reptiles, they're going to go into a hibernation or torpor state, so they're not going to be out to even mess with you, which is which is great. Bugs, insects, again, not going to be out to mess with you if the temperatures are cool. But fishing patterns and hunting patterns, those animals are going through seasonal changes as well, and that's all changing. It can create some great opportunities for, for people um, to get out. So, Ben, one of my favorite things to do in the winter is to go hunting. Mm-hmm. How I got started hunting was my father taking me out on some of these winter hunting adventures. And what is so great is that some of these hunting opportunities in the winter are actually small game or or waterfall opportunities. And especially the small game side, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to travel far. It doesn't have to be a big, you don't have to have a bunch of gear. You just really have to have the willingness to go go out and do it. Um, And not a ton of skill you're kind of just walking around seeing what you see and and the two that come to mind in particular for me is rabbit hunting and squirrel hunting and and hunting those two animals um, really got started before I could even hunt my Mm -hmm. dad would take me he'd have a shotgun and I had my pop gun yeah remember the it's like a lever action one crank pop gun and I had one that I'd busted and broken, the barrel was bent. You could shoot around corners with it if it actually shot something. I gave that one to my sister. I think it was even duct taped together at some point. She wow. got that one, my little sister, and She's I got to have the new pop gun. And so we'd all go out. She'd have her bent barrel pop gun. I had my pop gun, and we thought we were hunting with that. And we'd go out just walking around. At that time, we were living on the farm, so we'd just go walk around the farm and, and kick brush piles. But you can do that on any any state or, or federally owned land. Just go walk trails and walk around, and if you happen to kick up a rabbit, you do. But see some new territory, experience the outdoors. You're learning the whole time because you're going to see other animals and how they act. Mm. You might see a new plant and teach yourself what that is. You're following trails, just seeing and experiencing new things. But what is why that is winter is a great time for that, there's a few reasons. One, it's cold, so you're not hot when you're walking, right? and you're staying warm in By the walking. cold. So when you're moving, you're staying warm by walking. So if you were deer hunting when it's 20 degrees, you're going to get cold. Mm -hmm. If you're walking around rabbit hunting, you're actually, by the end, probably shedding layers. Like, man, I wore too much because you're you're doing so much work walking around. And exercise is a great way way to stay healthy through these winter months. And hunting season for for deer, it actually, man, it's a long stretch. I mean, from early from November all the way into January, there's different types. Some places February, Some, yeah. Yeah, there's different types from um, archery all the way into to rifle to muzzle loading. You know, so deer is that one. Well, also, the, there's states in the south here in the United States that they don't even get into the rut into these winter months. Right, which is awesome, yeah. actually, because um, you could hunt different states and hit the rut, Absolutely. you know, if, if you were just wanting to deer hunt all winter long. But with rabbit hunting, you know, yeah, taking a 410 out, Rabbit hunting was awesome, but we actually took it a step further, and that's when we would take out our traditional bows and try to rabbit hunt with, you know, yeah. our that's something you and judo I still enjoy and, to do. Yeah, it yeah. is so much fun. We've we've actually I think we had a podcast. We talked about yeah. that um, a year ago, probably. <laughs> so, you know, it's pretty cool that there are so many things to do in regards to the outdoors. But we're just talking about hunting. Is there some other types of hunting? I mean, one I can think of is sheds. Yeah, shed hunting. So when you get into um, around here, we'll say Midwest, the the north of the south, wherever you want to call where we're at, you're going to, uh, the white-tailed deer are going to start losing their antlers um, around here in February and March. And that's a great time of year to go out and try to find them. You're looking for that, that treasure. It's so cool to find them, bring them home for decorations, give them away for gifts. Um, but the challenge of the hunt is great. Uh, you're not going to get ticks and chiggers all over you, and you're able to scout if you are a hunter and it's post-season. 
and you're out looking for sheds, you're able to start scouting. You'll you will find even if you own the land for decades, you'll be like, oh my gosh, I never knew this game trail was here. Or right. man, look at this bedding area. Look where they're all bedding down. It's just a great time to be outdoors, and um, you're kind of you're disconnecting. You're not super engaged because you're just walking around looking for sheds. So there's not this. Uh, I don't know. It's almost a, an escape, and you can kind of reconnect to the, to the creator that way, and, and get rid of the distractions. Well, it's good because people that are listening may not want to go um, hunt rabbit, hunt squirrel, mainly because maybe they don't want to eat it. You know, you and I, we enjoy to eat it in yeah. the winter months. We're going to, have to eat have it. Done to go shed hunting, you're literally picking the antler up off right. the ground. Right, and so this this is a, an activity that allows you to hike in the winter months while hunting but a different style that's with your eyes looking for those sheds kind of like easter egg hunting for um adults yeah absolutely and and hunting these small game species too if you are a hunter and you're able to take a gun or a bow and harvest some of them it's a great way to have a winter meal you know i i had a friend whose grandmother made the best squirrel and dumplings that i've ever had and and going out sometimes if it ever snowed we for sure went out just to get squirrels so she could make a squirrel with dumplings but that big hot meal after being out in the cold and it's just some little things in life that we're going through this troublesome life and, and doing all these things that are hard and going through bad circumstances and good circumstances but when you do those little things that bring you joy and, and comfort like going out and spending time outdoors and then coming into a warm meal that, that you harvested man, it just brings some fulfillment and some gratification to you that's hard to find in other places. You know, for me, it's this is the time of year for chili. So whether it be grandma, mom, my wife, you know, it's it's the women in my life that have done a no, lot of no, cooking. No, 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 Molly can't make it. Whatever. She don't she, put any beans in it. Well, <laughs> we're working through that, okay? <laughs> but it may be the men in your life that are the ones that cook that chili yeah. in that crock pot or however you, however you make it. But... Man, that's when you go out, even if you don't harvest a rabbit or a squirrel coming back and having chili ready, man, maybe it's with the venison from the the deer that you harvested the year before, but having that chili, I like putting cheese on it, but coming back and having that warm meal, man, it feels good. Mm -hmm. Real good, man. It does. Mm -hmm. Harvesting these small game, it's a great time of year to do it because, uh, there's no disease. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't say there's no disease. There's a lot less disease. So, the rabbit fever and even the ticks and all these things that you're worried about hunting before these these cold frosts, you don't worry about that in the winter. You can really count on eating this food food safely, and that's a, a good peace of mind that's good. to have as well. I want to talk to my deer hunters for just a minute. We love the rut. As deer hunters, we love the rut. It's such a fun time to be out uh, in the field, in the forest, wherever you, you're hunting, to see all kinds of activity, having the big bucks slip up that you don't usually get to see during daylight, having new bucks move into your area that you didn't even know existed. It is an exciting time of year. However, when you move into these winter, these cold winter months, don't hang up your gear because it is such a great time to go out and enjoy hunting and still harvest big bucks it is also a great time to meet doe quotas so if you have a piece of property and you know you need to take some deer off that property does are what your target want to be and that's a great time to go out harvest does because they're very predictable when they get into winter they move into this bedding to food pattern so if you can find where they're bedding and you can find where they're eating it's very predictable and you can actually have some very good buck harvest and increase those doe harvest numbers by just finding that that food to sit by that they're coming to and they're going to do it a lot of time during daylight hours because it's cold and they have to move and have to have more calories to stay warm so don't hang up the deer hunting gear you know in missouri we have a a december a, a, a winter muzzleload season every year and it's been quite a few years since we've missed it because we love that time so much. One, yeah. shooting the old smoke pole is a lot of fun. It is, man. It's just a, it's a new, it's a different challenge um, getting out and, and hunting when it's really cold. You and I like to do a lot of what I call still hunting in the winter. We're not spotting and stalking. We're not seeing these deer and making a move on them. We're, we are still hunting. We're trying to really almost be a, a coyote or a bobcat and, and move through the woods to where we can find a deer and make a move on it and a lot of times it'll snow a little bit on us and getting to go mm. hunt in the snow 
we don't do that a lot around here is a really fun. You're making me excited. I get excited because so I can't wait. Because I also take my pistol on alternative season. We can yeah, use we a try, pistol. We have we each have this bucket list. We've never done it. Yep. But on both of our hunting, we'll call it our hunting bucket list or goal, go. whatever you want to call it. We would both like to one day check off that we've harvested a, a deer with our handguns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So working on that. Can't wait for that to to happen. Yeah. So don't hang up. Don't hang up the hunting gear. There's there's still a lot of good deer hunting to be done. Waterfowl, you know, that's something that I've only done a few times, and we mm-hmm. have some friends that are really, really into it. And and for me, I'm definitely interested. I just have never had a lot of opportunity to go to go do it. But friends out there, if you're willing to take us, we're ready. Let's go. Yeah, I can think of one. Should we say his name live? On <laughs> no, but we would we would definitely love to to go out on some waterfowl hunts. But just just seeing the camaraderie that happens and and the good food, and it's just a different type of hunting. Um, but it's a great. This is the time of year to do it. This is when ducks are, are moving through, and if you're if you're seeing some ducks, there's a lot of public areas. If you put in the work, but it is a lot of work um, versus small game mm-hmm. hunting. Waterfowl hunting is going to be more work, and there's going to be some more skill involved with it because you got to learn how to call, um, and a, a little more challenging shooting too, shooting a, a bird on the wing. But there's also upland bird hunting that's great this time of year too. I've actually seen a few friends locally that have been going out and finding a few bobwhite quail. Uh, lately and and whether you have dogs or you just want to go kicking it's a great time of year to go out and explore some of your local public properties because i know there are a lot of of public properties around here that i have seen but there's more that i haven't and just Mm -hmm. to go just walking around exploring is such a, a new exploring new areas is such a cool thing i will say for me and whether you want to hunt or fish or not, or just go out and, and see and explore winter is a great time to do that because the leaves are down. You can see a long way and you can really um, enjoy some of these landscapes that have been preserved by our tax dollars. You preserved right. them, go out and enjoy them. Right. Absolutely. And that kind of gets into the that hiking side. You know, you don't have to be a hunter or a fisher. You don't have to live in an area where snow skiing and, and snowshoeing is available. Just go out and take a hike. There are so many places. I mean, I would say that most people, whether you live in a city or you live out in the country, I would say that most people are within a half hour's drive of a public property that they can go hike. Yeah, I absolutely. You know, even there are so many churches where we live, so many churches, and they these churches own a lot of, a lot of land, even yeah. even just the parking lots, even just getting out and walking your parking lot at your church. If you don't know where a park is, there's churches. Yeah. So there's one or the other. Find a place, get out. Because what happens is in the wintertime, and, and I find myself doing this, and, and I don't think anything's wrong with it as long as it's, uh, as we've talked about before, moderation. Stay inside when it's cold. If you're wanting to binge some kind of TV show, then binge it. But at some point, Man, turn that TV off and get outdoors. You know, once once you get your fill of staying warm indoors, pick a day, get out, and go hike. If you don't want to hunt, as you're hiking, let's say there's a little bit of snow on the ground. You can buy shoes, snow shoes. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't want to buy any snowshoes from Amazon, put on a pair of rubber boots, put on your old tennis shoes, you can take a Walmart bag for any kind of store bag that's plastic. You can put your wool wool sock on, put that put that trash bag, put the Walmart bag over your foot, put them into your tennis shoes, and go out and play in the snow for a little bit. Go out and, and hike. The winter months are awesome. It does feel good to stay inside, to be warm, to, to cuddle up in those blankets, especially with your family, but pick that day. Um, something that, that I like to do in the winter months is I like to plan and prep. I really do. I I like to think through, all right, we've got spring coming in the future. We've got summertime. What are some things that I can do with my family? And it provides me an opportunity to begin to do research and look online and looking online to what can I do in the outdoors? What are some things out there? So what are some other things, Brian, that you like to do in the, in the winter months? Well, I just want to kind of piggyback before we move on to the next one about the hiking you were talking about and it can it can be as simple as is walking. You mentioned a parking lot, but <clears throat> your neighborhood, like mm-hmm. just get. I promise you. Whatever, even I don't know. Everyone has different physical capabilities, but take a walk within your physical capabilities. Mm-hmm. 
and you will feel better mentally and physically. You will feel better. Just take a walk outdoors. Take a walk outdoors. Don't go to the local. You know what? If if the only way you're going to walk is to walk inside at the local rec center, then go do that. But yeah. but walk outdoors. So many times after Thanksgiving or Christmas meals with families, my family's always like, you want to go for a walk? And I'm absolutely. And it just feels so good. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be fast paced. But if you're walking, you're gonna you're gonna stay warm. So don't let cold be be an excuse. Put your coat on, and if you've listened to us before, zip your coat up, stick your hands <laughs> in your pockets, and go for a walk. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be difficult. It doesn't have to be extravagant. Uh, if you need time by yourself, just you and God, then do it by yourself. I've done so many walks in my life where just getting out, going for a short walk, just me and God, and, and clearing my mind. Don't take your phone. Don't walk. I see people walk down the street staring at their phone. Don't do that. Don't do that. Leave it in your pocket or leave it at home and go out and just truly enjoy being disengaged and being in the outdoors. When I'm out doing like you're saying, I do like to take my phone and I like to have my camera ready. because It's the only camera I have. It's the one I use. <clears throat> and on these times, whether you're, you're walking alone or with somebody, be ready to see things, to, to capture things that people don't get to see you mm-hmm. know whether it be the deer crossing you know i can i think about snow and when i think winter I, I do i think snow and and growing up as a kid we used to get a lot of snow now that i'm older we don't get as much snow but i'm ready to get these snow shots and what i mean is is we had a morning uh he's here in the ozarks just a few weeks ago where we had a little bit of snow but it was just in the trees and when i got out that morning i just went out back in my backyard yeah it was a really wet it was a wet snow. And wet snow sticks yeah. to everything. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we lost the snow by 10 a.m. It yeah. was all gone, right? But right. it was that morning I got out and walked out back, and you could hear some of that snow melting, but the way the sun was bouncing off of that snow in the tree, the way that, oh, it was just beautiful, man. And, and I I like to pull my, my phone out then and, and get some pictures of that. So keep your phone on you. Be ready for those shots, but don't have your nose buried in it um, to where you can't be observant of what's going on around you well you mentioned snow so let's talk about the things you can do in the snow what are what are some snow activities there's the ones that everybody thinks of but there, there's some other ones too that that are very simple and, and that people may not have heard of before yeah i mean we've talked about it i said it strap on snowshoes and go hike through it it right it changes how where you can go you can hike in more areas because of these shoes that are keeping you um, on top of the snow instead of digging in and falling into mm-hmm. it right but some other snow activities. And you may have to travel for these depending on where right. you live, or you may be able to do this right where, where you're at. Growing up, the number one thing we did was sledding. Oh, my goodness. I mean, hours and hours of sledding, man. So much fun. Like, I remember making a – so you make a trail with your with your sled. And you, me and my sister, we would hit this path, the same path so many times that we eventually hit grass. Yeah. We finally – Either packed it down enough to where it was a solid sheet of ice, yeah, it turned to ice, or we had wore it out and abused it so much that we were we were down to the actual grass and and kind of mud. Right. <laughs> you know, we had melted it by by walking up and down it so much. So, um, man, yeah, just wearing out sleds, breaking yeah. the sleds from slamming into the to the trees that are down through the woods, just. Gosh, we, we snowman. Oh man. Yep. Um, my message on that, my tip for that would be to buy your sled before it snows. Yes. Because once it snows, everybody's buying them, and it's hard to find them. Buy your sled before it snows, so you've got it. If you don't have a sled or don't have the money to go get one, be resourceful. Take a trash can lid and flip it over. Find some cardboard in your house. There are things you can go sled on. Actually, last year, Ben, you introduced me to this, and it was awesome. You have a boogie board. Yeah. Which is for the ocean, for the surf in the ocean. It is a little slick plastic bottom thing and we had a really light fluffy snow what i mean it was deep we had like eight or nine inches but it was just so cold and so dry that this this snow was fluff so we couldn't really pack it down and so it was hard to get our saucer sleds and things going in it but mm-hmm. this boogie board we put our kids on it and it scooted mm-hmm. across the top of that snow and the kids were having so much fun so give a boogie board a try you open my eyes to that and i've kind of been keeping my eyes out like if somebody just one a cheaper you know foam boogie board, but it has to have that kind of plastic waxy bottom. So here's a man. It makes a good sled. Keep your eyes peeled. Uh, this is uh, in the summer months. I actually found somebody threw away a boogie board. It was it was next to their trash can. Mm. Now I didn't go up and just take it. 
how this all went down is they were actually the the owners of this boogie board that had thrown it away were outside and I said, Hey, do you care if I have this? And they're like, No, we're throwing it away. Take it. Now, it had some damage to it, right? It was a little bit busted up, but that's perfect because you're gonna damage it yeah, anyway. It. Yeah. Because when we have light enough snows, that real thin layer, there's rocks sticks all kinds of stuff under but with that thin layer that boogie board will still just scoot right over you talked about cardboard you know you're gonna have to apply wax mm-hmm. to those things wax to well some of them that are painted that paint inside will be slick enough you can and it snow. could be yeah but you have to you have to remove that friction right and that's what that boogie board's doing it allows you to but i have two kinds of boogie boards i have one now for the water that that is perfect and perfect for water and i have one now for the snow that's been beat up it's got tears in it but it's exactly for that and it's so perfect brian it's it awesome. is is yeah so get get those sleds ready before it snows because once it snows it's it's one it's hard to get around in the car if the roads are covered and, and then and two everybody's buying them so you may have a hard time finding a good one especially now so, this is super dangerous absolutely dangerous but growing up we actually use car hoods did you ever do anything like that oh yeah yeah so you know a car hood car old car hood behind the four wheeler yeah we did some of that and and let me tell you folks that is so dangerous to do yeah we're not going to recommend that on the meant to be outdoors podcast i'm not going to recommend it but we did it so snow what else for snow um you know i know we've made which you're already in the ice cream of snow but snow cones we had flavoring to it be careful what kind of snow you eat yeah make sure that it's uh clean snow this was it. Watch out where the huskies go. Don't you eat that yellow snow. That's exactly right. <laughs> Is that right. what you're talking about? Uh-huh. Yeah. Gotta yeah. be careful about that. If you're going to eat the yellow snow, make sure it's snow that you've picked up and put some lemon flavoring on, not not the other kind of flavoring. You know, it's also in the survival side, it's fun to practice your skill. Yeah. You know, and a quick tip on the, on the snow side that you can even practice now. I learned this from Creek Stewart on one of his television shows. Never even thought of this. Never even entered my mind, but it is so cool to try it. Um, take an empty bottle when you have to pee you pee in that bottle you will actually take that bottle and you can find any kind of bag you have around you but you're going to melt that snow using your urine and that is a great way to use your urine a lot of people are like man drink your urine and should I drink it you know what people do it and it don't kill them so you might as well all this stuff if you're in the situation where you're needing water and you have lots of snow you can actually melt it using warmth and urine coming out of the body is going to be your body temperature which is enough to melt snow so that's an awesome tip something you can definitely learn and try but also try to make a fire you know when it's snowy outside fires feel good and that's another thing you can do you can boil your your water you can melt that snow down bring it to a boil and now you have a clean purified drinking water you mentioned the snow cones which is is it safe? Is it safe to pick up snow and, and just eat it? You know, get some snow cone flavoring and do that with the kids? Is that a safe activity? You know, the definition of safe, I'm not, I'm not going to be the one that says, yep, you can go out and eat it. I ate it growing up all the time, every single time. But I was being careful of what I was, you know, the, the handful that I was digging up and biting. If, it's, mm-hmm. if it isn't clear, which we see it as white, that's you know? back before cows farted, though. Yeah, because they cows fart real, real bad now. <laughs> it's real bad. <laughs> you know, when it snows, whatever you have in your your atmosphere above you, when you have in your um, environment around you, you know, we talk about those cities. There's a lot of pollution in the cities. If it's snowing in the cities, I I may stay clear of eating that snow. You know, out here where I live, I feel more comfortable eating it. Um, if your snow has any kind of color to it whatsoever, from black, gray, all the way up to yellow, red, green, stay away from it. Mm-hmm. And, and in that case, you're going to have to purify it. You're going to have to what we call filter it. So you're going to filter it first. So basically the steps is you're going to heat that snow up to bring it to liquid instead of um, solid. Once it's to the liquid, now you have to filter it because I want I don't want dirt. I don't want grime. I don't want things in my water. And then I'm going to purify it, whether I boil it or use chemicals. Right. Yeah. So eating snow as a snowball, I have done that growing up and I'm still here today, but there could be areas around the globe that if you did that, it it could harm you. So be careful. Yeah. So just have, have an awareness of where you are and the snow that you're picking up. But Mm -hmm. most, most of the times. uh, Yeah. If you see red snow and I'm not talking about blood, there are areas in region, uh, in, there are areas that it's a type of, I'm going to call it a fungus. I can't think of the name of it. And it's a red layer that's on snow and, very harmful to eat it so again 
there's any kind of color to your snow, don't eat it. Fine. Yeah. Fine. What about, clear, clear what about snow? snow ice cream? That is good. Have yeah. you done that? Yeah. Is that something you can do with the kids? Is that a fun thing to? It is a fun activity. How to do you do that? You know how I've made it before is is taking a little bit of milk, taking some a little bit of vanilla flavoring that you have, and really using the snow to. So we use the snow to actually freeze and make ice cream using the snow. Right. So we didn't. I personally didn't even use the snow. I used the snow as the ice to make the ice cream. Gotcha. Now, on the snow cone side, now I'm using the actual snow, adding some flavoring and having snow cones. Because that ice, to me, is tastes different than ice cream. A right. snow cone tastes different yeah. than ice cream. I'm sure there's several ways you can look up, though, to, to use the snow to make snow ice cream. Just a, a fun thing, activity you might be able to look up to do with the kids. And then, of course, those are the big activities that everybody knows about. Uh, a lot of people plan trips every year to go to go out west, or some people go east to go to these ski resorts. And I've done it. And have you done it before? I have never skied. Oh I goodness. want to. It, it, I can't it, wait for you to teach me and take me. But no, I don't know I've if never I'd be it. the best person to learn from. But I have done it, and it is it is a lot of fun. It is so much fun. But the, the downside of it is, you know, by the time you you rent all your gear and buy your ski slope passes and your housing, it's expensive. Is it? It's an expensive trip to go do. I mean, you you have to have thousands of dollars to be able to go do that each year. So if you're able to, awesome. But it may be something you you aren't able ever to go do. Um, but it is a, it is enjoyable, and to be up on top of a mountain covered in snow is, is an experience in itself. So is sledding a poor man's snowboarding or skiing? I don't know. They have some pretty wicked sledding in, <laughs> in tubing hills out there, too, oh, yeah. that, that yeah. make our tubing and sledding look, uh, look poor. It's a poor man's sledding, but... Uh, <laughs> That it, it is fun to go out west to go to some of these ski resorts if you're able to do that. It's not something I can do every year, but it is something I've been blessed to do uh, once in my life, and hopefully I'll get to do it again. The, the downside of that is, is it's pretty dangerous. It's pretty dangerous. There's a lot of injuries. Um, you know, when I was out there, you you see these guys on the emergency team on snowmobiles. I mean, they're, they're packing people out. Every day that you're out, you're seeing somebody, but just having this big blade fixed to the end of your foot, mm-hmm. you get a lot of a lot of limb injuries, broken legs, and ACLs and those types of things. And Have you ever uh, done any snowmobiling? I have ridden snowmobiles. Uh, really fun. Such a different feeling because riding four-wheelers and stuff growing up, you get on the snowmobile and it doesn't just it doesn't have the response on the turn like a four-wheeler does because you're not really digging in. So you know, some you just delay. Got skis, yeah, yeah, but really fun, really fun, but a learning curve for sure. So that yeah. that is an activity that people do. Um, in college, we went out to Estes Park, and once we got out there, there was several feet of snow, and mm-hmm. uh, that's where we had actually done some of the the it was my first time really doing real what I call real snowshoe you know hiking so we we rented some snowshoes and and that was a lot of fun because the snow was so deep that if you didn't have them you fell through it you know here in the ozarks though um we didn't necessarily need those snowshoes to to hike you know you could still get out but we actually would take four-wheelers out in some of these areas but you had to have four-wheel drive four-wheelers in the snow because the two-wheel drive i got stuck couldn't go anywhere so you know, getting into the ATV side, side-by-sides, all of that, people love to go out and do that, but you still have to match up the correct, <laughs> a two-wheel drive, four-wheeler, I've got one. Yeah. In the snow, I was, I might as well started hiking, because I could go nowhere that four-wheeler. Something I got to experience one time that is a little more affordable type of skiing, and I, two, two revelations I had from this, one, I didn't think I was going to enjoy it as much as I did. And two, I didn't think it was going to be as difficult as it was. And that's kind of that, that that podcast we talked about, testing yourself. This was one of those things like, I could do this, and I went and did it. And I was like, man, maybe I need to work on my core strength and my balance a little bit. And this is cross-country skiing. Cross-country skiing. And so what was so difficult, what I didn't realize was, so you're, you're not – you're not going down a hill. You're not using gravity. You're you're actually doing a lot of the work, and it was a physically demanding thing. But what was so difficult was the actual ski is more narrow than your foot, so you're clipping into this thing just your toes because your heel has to be come, able to come up. Or down here downhill skiing, skiing, excuse me, your whole foot is clipped in. It is it is more narrow than your foot. Your foot's hanging off both sides of it. And so when I first started, man. 
I was tipping over. It was like somebody was cutting a tree down over and over again. It just kept falling over side to side. But finally, I got it, and I got the whole point of uh, almost like ice skating, where you really have to understand the edges of your of your blades and and pushing off. And it was a lot of fun because you can cover miles and go through the forest and see all these scenery out there. Um, but with skis, it was kind of a cool experience. It's more affordable than, than all the downhill ski rental and all that. And it was way, way, way more challenging and physically demanding than I expected it to be. It does sound fun. Um, another activity in the snow that we did, um, is digging tunnels, you know, and when you're getting in that snow area, if you're able to ski, then you've got some several inches to ski on, you know, if you're snowshoeing, you've got maybe several feet to, to walk on. But making tunnels, making caves, you know, on the survival side, that is something that we have taught and, and would love to teach more of if we're in that, that climate. We have lots of snow, but um, there are ways to make shelter and just using just snow, right. you know, and, and I'm not talking about making igloos. Igloos is another type of shelter someone can make, but I'm talking about digging in and making a tunnel. Um, but I do want to put out this disclaimer of you have to be very careful with snow so if you're going out and you're going these places where there's a lot of snow and you're you have to be careful of avalanche so if you're renting equipment i mean do your research if you're renting equipment somewhere because you don't want to buy it talk to people ask about find out what avalanches mean what does that look are you going to be in a in a an environment where that can happen to where you're buried which also then leads me to the tunnels if if you're a kiddo right now and you're listening and or you're an adult and you're listening and you're wanting to go out and make shelters and you're digging under the snow, a couple things you have to be careful careful of. You don't want any kind of heavy weighted anything above you in regards to snow. So, you know, you want a thin layer above your head when you're digging. Like if you're digging down two, three feet into the snow and you have two to three feet, oh, even a foot of snow above you, if it collapses down on top of you, you can suffocate. That's number one. And that's where we look at avalanches. But avalanches, we don't even have to have that in snow here in the Ozarks. If you're digging down deep enough, you have enough snow, you can get trapped. So be very careful of that. And second is, this is to kids again. You know, I used to play in the yard and I never really thought of this. And it's this is something that happened here locally. If you're digging down in that snow and you have people that are pushing snow with vehicles and, and making these big, huge piles, do not get into them unless your parents know. And if you are getting into them, put some kind of bright object, put it on top where people know that you are making this cavern, this cave, because um, you never know who can come by and, and either push more snow on top of you or, God forbid, worse than that. So, man, be careful where you play in the snow. It's so much fun. Snow is fun. But please, uh, man, ask your parents. Let them know where you're going. Um Put indicators up so that you can you can get out, take your shovel, have your shovel with you so you can dig out. But um, have some fun, but be cautious, be careful. Yeah. Another another thing that this isn't going to hit home with a lot of people, and definitely not you, Ben, but something I get so excited about when it happens, and it doesn't happen every year here. That's when our ponds freeze over solid. They, they'll freeze over every year here, but I'm talking solid enough to go skate on right to go put put the old hockey blades on and go out and skate and and call your hockey buddies and play a little hockey now up north ride a passage man ride a passage in, in the in the northeast united states and in, in the north midwest to ride a passage to go play some pond and some lake hockey uh it, it is really really fun and it doesn't matter how cold it is because if you are out skating it could be negative 20 you're sweating mm -hmm. you are sweating and it is so fun to go play in the pond however it is dangerous Mm -hmm. You need to be sure that that pond is thick enough. And around here, we also have springs and things that are coming in with some warmer water, and we'll have thinner spots. So you have to be careful. You should never, ever, ever do it on your by yourself. And if you're a child, you should never walk out into a pond without a parent's permission, ever. You mm -hmm. should never walk out there. Because um, that's what we, growing up, I didn't ice skate. Right. Didn't really know anything about it. I, I would love to have got to try it. Still can't wait to try it when it's cold enough out here on your ponds. But growing up, we still, once it was frozen solid enough and my dad or my my great uncle was like yep it's good to go out on or any of my uncles were like yep that's safe you know then we would go out we would walk we would play it's fun to go out and, and play on the frozen ice that's fun you know and it was it was thick enough that it could hold our weight you know um something that that i learned from my uncle and grandpa is, is they would have to bust those ponds for their cattle 
and there's a there's a time when it is so thick that you there's no busting right. anymore and, and that was kind of that that we understood it's safe enough now and it's we're able to go out on it that was kind of it when when you're busting and you can't get down to water anymore man that's 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 a pretty good time to get out yeah. and go play it takes takes quite a bit of ice i mean you're talking at least four inches thick five six inches thick really makes you feel good if it's that thick all the way through mm-hmm. um so if you're able to check it and see that it's that thick then you can start going out on it but but have reservations about it don't just go crazy um and, and definitely kid kiddos make sure that you're doing it with your with your parents yeah that get is, permission and that's kind of goes back to my snow one more time is that it is fun to dig tunnels and to make tunnels even in a survival situation you can make those actual tunnels and sleep in and make it through the night but you have to have an air vent you have to have some sort of hole, a channel, a tunnel that that has fresh air coming in because suffocation can happen even just playing in it. Right. So even in a survival situation, you think you're getting into you still have to have an air opening in there. Um, so be very cautious on that. Right. Well, we are not going to get out of this podcast without talking about one of our favorite activities. Let's hear it. We have got to talk about winter fishing. Oof. We've got to talk about fishing. We fish all year round. Yep. We talked about ponds freezing over. There's ice fishing to be had. There is a lot of good fishing opportunities all winter long. Mm-hmm. What's something that you love to go do in the winter? You know, winter fishing, you know, I think of a, a, there's a lot of striper. Like, there's a lot of these. If it is a fish that has, like, big, wicked teeth, it's kind of a good time to go out and, and fish for them. Um, you you know, growing up, I had a flat bottom boat, and I still wanted a bass fish. So I busted up the water to do it, and I realized, you know what? Why, why am I using all this energy to to try to fish for bass when I can go gigging, stay up in the river, mm-hmm. and I can I can actually gig these fish? And somebody asking like, what is gigging? Well, you you go over nighttime. You have lights on the front of your boat. There's different style lights nowadays that that you can get into, but you haven't you have lights that's that's able to shine down. You know, from zero depth down to about 10 feet, you can kind of see in that clear river system that we have, and you're taking a long pole, you're putting a sharp gig, some people call it a trident, but it's a gig, it usually has three prongs on it, and because of the water temps in that river, it doesn't freeze up, but it's cold enough that it slows the fish down, and we gig yellow suckers, blue suckers, and hognose suckers, Right. and as we find those on the bottom, they'll be in schools, they'll be in those pools, Man, is it is your boat as it lights up, it just brings to life. You see everything under the water. I mean, you can watch turtles walking along the bottom. Um, I've seen beavers, you know, I've taken some friends out and they've we've had beavers just swim right in front of us. Um they're not in season, you can't gig them. But as we find those suckers, we we gig them and we love to eat sucker. Yeah, that that's that's the best part for me is it's a little bit of work getting all those fish cleaned up, but if you yeah. go to the bank and get some fish cleaned up and have a hot fish fry with hot fried fish right yeah. after it's over. So we take butter and bread and uh-huh. make sandwiches there too, and then we can even fry potatoes if you have the time. So Yeah, it's got to be the cheapest white bread you can get with some <laughs> yeah. hot, hot fried sucker fish. It's good. Yeah, mm. it is really good. That's something you can try again. You know, you got to have a boat or know somebody with a boat to go do that, but man, don't don't miss out on, on, on gigging. It's a lot of fun. Uh, something you did recently, and uh, we we might get old Minnow Master Z Love out to to have us a another trip this winter. Yeah, but man, the crappie fishing mm. in winter can be so good. Mm-hmm. Again, the cold water they don't move as much; they really group up. And I'm talking, you can find groups of hundreds to hundreds to a thousand. I mean, you can find these crappie really grouped up in areas, especially with the technology that we have on boats nowadays. And to go out and catch crappie, try to make these cold fish bite. Yeah. It's a great time of year to get some food for your family, practice some of your skills. Um, you know, I saw a tip the other day, and I, I would love to share it with, with our fishermen, is this new forward-facing sonar. If you're wanting to get good at it, what you really have to do to be good at it is to understand what you're seeing and to be able to understand it quickly, to decipher quickly the moment that you're seeing it. Uh so going out and finding these crappie that aren't moving a whole lot and are in these big groups and going out and catching them is a great way to practice those skills with this new technology. Plus, if you're successful, you get to bring some really good eating fish home as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 
talking about fishing here in the Ozarks, you know, we talked about snow, we talked about ice. What's awesome about the Ozarks is the fluctuating of temperatures. Okay, so, you know, again, we've talked about hibernating versus torpor. You know, there's going to be those days where it's so, so cold, and then be ready. You know, be indoors when it's super, super cold, but be ready here in the Ozarks because there may be a one day next week when the temps jump. Mm-hmm. And it's warm enough where you're comfortable or at least more comfortable to be outside, but your water temperature is still cold. That's when me and my uncle, we would go crappie fish. You know, it was an awesome time because it was warm enough for us, but those water temps are still super cold. But that's what's cool about the Ozarks. Our waterways do not freeze solid. They don't. And it allows for why you're crappie fishing, you can even see bald eagles like crazy oh yeah you know what i mean it brings these wildlife osprey yeah but even our mammals they come back they come out of hibernation because they're not in torpor right they come out for that day you may see armadillos you name it Mm -hmm. the wildlife comes out the squirrels that's when that's when we're saying be ready get prepped get ready but what are some other things is with the fluctuation of temperatures and you know maybe you've you're done crappie fishing and is there any other crop is there any other fishing that you might do um, during Goodness, this time of year. Yes, people are so often to think, oh, winter, it's not fishing time. It is fishing time. Yeah. Again, crappie fishing, there's ice fishing, and I've never got to do the hut out on the big lake, you know, like they do up north. That looks so we're so talking fun. about ice fishing. So, ice fishing. So now, now your river, what your lakes are frozen solid in some of these areas. Yeah, and you have to, you have to drill through, and you're fishing through this hole, and I've never really got to experience that. I've messed around trying to do that on a pond, and... and was really just messing around it wasn't the way they do it but it's almost like duck hunting like the camaraderie and this experience of putting the hunt up and sitting with all your friends and cooking food and having drink inside these huts while you're fishing it looks like an experience that i would love to have someday and i know a lot of people do that up north and and if you're living in an area where ice fishing is a possibility it just really isn't where we live i would find a way to take advantage of that i'm sure there's guides that can take you out on that um, but for for us here, something that I think so many people overlook in the fishing realm during the winter is fly fishing, trout fishing. We, Ben, you and I are fly fishing guides. Mm-hmm. And every trip we get take out, I think every trip asks me, what's the best time of year to do this? What do you guys do in the winter? And I'm like, winter is the best time. Yeah. Winter yeah. is the best. Everybody wants to book well, in we're, spring we're in August. In summertime, and, we're out, you know, and, and it's nice and warm, but... It isn't that amazing. No, the fishing is it's tough. It, it can be tough for trout, but these are cold water species. So when these streams are cold, but they're spring fed, so they're still flowing, these trout can get really, really aggressive, and you can have some banner, banner days fishing, catching trout after trout. It's a great time to learn to fly fish. Ben, lo- lo- ben and I love to teach people who have never fly fished before mm-hmm. how to do that. Mm-hmm. If you want to go fishing with me and Ben, we, we are fly fishing guides. We guide fly fishing trips at Dogwood Canyon Nature Park. So if you book a trip there and you want Brian and Ben to be your guides, just request us yeah. and they'll give us a call and we'll come be your guide at Dogwood Canyon. And, and you're going to, it is pretty much a guarantee. We're going to get you on some fish. We're going to catch some fish and don't miss that December, January, February they're open, they're taking trips, and it is the best time of year to go trout fishing, in my opinion. Yeah, and even if you don't want us to be your guides, Dogwood Canyon is an awesome place to go. They have amazing guides, and you know maybe you call for us and we can't do it. Maybe we're not there. Or we're already booked out. There's Man, they've got some other— want us to be their guides? <laughs> well, they've got some awesome, <laughs> awesome guides there. So they it's do. a great place to go, um, especially in the wintertime for sure. It, it is, yeah. Don't, don't miss the, the fishing opportunities. And, you know, we're bass heads. And we can catch bass all winter long as, as well, too. There's even still some tournaments you can jump in. But it's a great time of year to go learn the new tactics. Yeah. There's going to be tactics this time of year that you're not going to use or maybe that are easier this time of year that you can transition into spring and kind of add to your repertoire of skill set. So well, go out and try some new things. It, it helps me. I have to slow down. You have to slow down this time and, of year. And yeah. and really helps my fishing because even in the summertime, there's there's – springtime there's moments to man you really got to slow down maybe you're power fishing too much and this is a great time to practice that with the fluctuation in temperatures where we live there is another activity that i would like to try more often we talk about going out and doing hikes you know you want to keep your eyes peeled for for tree identification for wild plants what are some things that are out there that you may find? 
what is one thing you can think of, Brian, that, that might be a, a great something that you can drink, oh, like procure, a, and know, make? Some, a wild edible, something mm-hmm. kind of down that stream in the winter. Well, um, when you have the fluctuation in temperatures, it's a great time of year to start harvesting syrup. So if you're in an area that has maple trees or there's other trees you can harvest syrup off of as well. But, um, man, it's hard to say syrup on a podcast. Syrup. Syrup. <laughs> well, you can harvest syrup this time of year uh, as long as the temperatures are fluctuating. If it's kind of steady cold or steady warm, these trees aren't moving a lot of sap up and down. But you can go out and tap trees and harvest and harvest maple syrup and, and go in and, and make this tasty treat for your family. Use it in your, your winter recipes. Use it in your, your baked goods that you're cooking for, for Christmas time. This, where we live is great for that because we do have that fluctuating temperatures. Um, some people have to wait till spring when they're getting the freeze-thaw, freeze-thaw, but that's what's mm-hmm. really going to move that liquid and that sap up and through that tree. But that is a great one to go out and try. Yeah, that is fun. Learning how to tap and, and putting up your bucket and, and catching that drip and then waiting for it and then processing it afterwards. So right. um, that is just an, another fun activity to do outside that you can combine with hiking as well. Yeah. And as much as as much as maple syrup costs at the store these days, it's probably cheaper to go out and tap the tree. That's right. I think a little tiny bottle was like thirteen dollars the other day, and I bought the cheapest one you could get. It's unbelievable how much true maple syrup is is costing now. But right. um, what about camping, Ben? Do you put your camping gear away this time of year? Or? No way. No. You know, um, this is what they're going to call four seasons camping. You know. Three seasons, you're talking about spring and summer and fall. Four seasons, and, just go to the hotel and put your sleeping bag in at home. Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, I would rather camp in the wintertime than I would in the summertime. Why? Well, because of the insects, the pests, yeah. the nuisance. That's the worst part about summer camping. My goodness. It is. You know, and, and that's the kind of the debate that, that have been before is, is, is it worth going in the wintertime or versus the summertime? and. And, you know, you're getting into car camping versus RV camping and, and kind of talking about really all that and what works best for you when i'm talking about wintertime camping i'm talking about my tent yeah and and tent and a sleeping bag tent and a sleeping bag and and there's a few things with that so i've also guided trips primitive trips where we went out it was going to be cold and it snowed on us after we got our primitive shelter set up and let me tell you it makes those primitive shelters so much more warm it is when you're out when you open up your tent door when you crawl out of your sleeping bag and you look out after that first snow not even first but just that fresh powder that just came down it is quiet it is calm it is beautiful mm-hmm. i mean it is just you you could hear a frog fart <laughs> i mean that's it's just a little like you could hear it it is so calm and it they're just there's nothing else really like it that I've ever experienced. And, and the only way to do that is to be out, be ready. Um, if you're already talking about you already have feet of snow, then I'm probably not going to encourage you to take your family out in several feet of snow to go camp because it is very challenging. But if you're up for ready for a challenge, then by all means go do it. When you have already have snow on the ground and you're going out and you're going to have to snowshoe in and, and hike in in some of those areas, there's some precaution there's some caution that you have to take um but it is for me it is more comfortable to put my tent up on snow because as you can actually kind of dig some troughs which you can do this without snow but in the winter months you can still dig down and you're clearing away debris you're clearing away rocks and duff and sticks and you're clearing all that out and you can kind of make a little groove for your body to actually lay in with that sleeping bag, with your pad and sleeping bag. And it makes it a little more comfortable even in your tent. But the coolest part in the winter months is that I don't have to to be focused on ticks, mosquitoes, cockroaches, ants, gnats. Snakes. Snakes. Yeah, you get nothing. To, and, and a lot of times there's, there's places that are beautiful to go see. Um that are not going to be they're popular and they're not going to be crowded this time of year so get out and take advantage of that Ooh, that's so good but i didn't even think of that <laughs> yeah. you know a lot of people aren't out it almost feels like it's your like you have this whole area to go because there's not a lot of people that is such a good point in the winter time for yeah, sure there's, there's some of these really well-known um I mean, I'll, I'll use the buffalo river that's one that's pretty close to us 
this time of year, you can still go down there and camp, and you're not going to have the hordes and the crowds of people. You feel like it's yours, so you're not dealing with bugs, and you're not dealing with people, and it's it's still comfortable to go out. I mean, if you, ha- if you have a decent sleeping bag, you can go out and still have a, a comfortable sleep and go okay. out and do some hiking. Uh, don't pack that all up in the winter because it is a not only can you still do it it's actually one of the better times of year to go do that and i don't want people to miss that because there are some great opportunities we're actually planning um here uh shortly we're going to take our our boys out on a little water camping trip as well and let them experience that so you can even take your kids to do this you can and be careful um you know we're talking more about ozarks camping you know here in the wintertime ozarks camping if you're wanting to go to colorado if you're wanting to go to these these mountain yeah, range if areas, if it's negative 17, you might stay where there's a heater. Yes, and 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 pay attention to your temps, but you're also got to really pay attention of how much snow and and where you're going to be in that area, how much snow you can get. So, do your research, talk to your people, know where you're going to go. Here in the Ozarks, it is awesome to go out. Um, man, almost all the way from December to March, um, I even guided some 150 mile mountain bike trips so there's already some trails up north that uh, used to be a, a used to be a train uh, train tracks and they removed those and and now it's just a huge walking it's trail like the katy trail right? it is the katy trail up north and you can mountain bike on that and whew, i mean that is a fun one to bike um i have done that in the we actually had some snow during that it makes it very difficult but um doable depending on how many inches you get so plan ahead prepare but there is so many awesome places to go camp in the Ozarks in the wintertime. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah, now, I, I, I love winter camping, and I can't wait to share it to with my kids taking and, our kids. and friends as well. You know, taking our kids, I can't wait to do that. Let's, it's so fun when it's cold, cold, cold outside, and you're out doors you're you're whether you're camping you're hiking you're backpacking you're elk hunting you're rabbit hunting if you have a moment where you can stop and you have that time to make a fire man that is fun you know you you know taking the kids making a fire allowing them to sit around it especially when there's snow on outside like you don't even have to cook on this thing you're just using it to keep you warm in it and it's awesome because a lot of times throughout the year, you don't really need to make a fire. There's really, you're taking your backpacking stove. You're not cold. You don't need a fire, you know, but people still make them. But this time of year, you are making it and you need it. And it feels so good because you're actually using this, you're using this thing that you really need and it feels good. And, you know, people can take, can kind of get crazy and can make huge, huge bonfires. And so I'm not talking about taking 55 pallets that you had on a flatbed trailer and and throwing them on even though there's a lot of people that do that but you can make a bonfire a a bigger fire than just something to cook on that that produces enough heat that something for a group of people a group of people can sit around and, and really talk and now i personally believe that if you're making a fire that's too hot for you to set by well then that fire is too hot why are you doing it that doesn't make any sense but there's people that do that. Um, so make a fire that is going to keep you warm. You can sit by it, still enjoy, and have some fellowship with people. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and it's enjoyable just to be outdoors, really doing nothing, just to relax outdoors. That is a great a great outdoor activity. And winter is a great time to do that because there's so many things you don't have to worry about, like like bugs and sunburns and the heat. Uh, one thing I don't want to, want to miss, uh, I want to talk to my landowners and my hunters, Winter is such a great time of year to prepare for the next year. What I mean by that is you've been out hunting. If you own land or or lease land or hunting on somebody else, you've seen and probably thought because you've spent a lot of hours with yourself out there waiting on old big buck to walk by. Man, I'd sure like to change this about this place or I would love to make this improvement on this place. Write that down and make your plan for next year or maybe go start that work now if you've already filled your tags. Otherwise, you're going to forget. It's going to come April, March, July. You're going to be busy chasing turkeys, finding morels, doing all these other things. You're going to forget. And then the next year is going to come around and you're going to think the same thought you had last year and it's never going to get done. So if you think, man, this hillside really needs to to have some timber stain improvement. I'm going to take out some of these not-so-good trees. You know what? Mm-hmm. 
start that plan now. Maybe start the work now. Start harvesting some of these trees. Start doing some hinge cutting. But this at is, least make the plan of I'm going to do right. this with this area at this time. Um, it is a great time to do that. And then I also want to point out that scouting. So even if you're not a landowner, if you're a public land hunter, your hunting season may be over, your tags may be filled. But once you get a little bit of snow on the ground, nature is telling you so much. The storybook. <laughs> it's like a it's like if you read a book and then when you get to the end there's like the bonus chapter. When you get a little snow on the ground, nature's bonus chapter is open to you and you can see scat and tracks and pee so much better. Right. You can even tell with whitetails where they're bedding mm. and you can tell how many bucks and does they are because deer are so lazy that when they're bedded down in snow, they literally pee without getting up. And if the pee is underneath the deer, it's a buck. And if it's behind the deer, it's a doe. And you can start going and seeing and revealing all these things to you that make you a better outdoorsman and prepare you for next year's hunting season as well. You know, you taught me this. We were out, it snowed. And, you know, I guess I take it for granted. Um, when when you're looking around, you know, and you see that the uh, this fence that runs almost the entirety of the property, but then all of a sudden there's a hole in it. Maybe uh-huh. it's cut or you had a gate there or something, you know. Um, you're the one that brought to my attention of like if deer's going to cross, it's going to cross with like where it's least resistant, right? So if there's an opening in a fence, that's where they're crossing. You can find all your pinch points and crossings when there's a little snow on the ground. And, and that's what you were showing me. Like you can see it without snow because there is no fence. So right. that's where they're going. But there's proof in it when you have snow on the ground you can actually see that that is the only area that these deer are going in and out you can see the track you can look five feet to the left and five feet to the right of that and there will will not be a hoof print anywhere they are only going through that spot and that's what's so cool about being out when it snows it brings these stories to life you can see so much more which that is another thing that that you're really good at which is trapping and this is an awesome time of the year to really get yeah, into predator trapping. trapping. So fur bear season, predator trapping here in Missouri, you know, it starts in the middle of November and I believe it goes all the way through February now. So you've got pretty much all winter to do this. Not only is it a great wildlife management tool to, to balance those predator prey populations, but it is also a great tool to make you a better woodsman to enjoy time outdoors and, and to learn. And you can also get you, I call it like Christmas morning. I love running trap lines because every time you turn a corner, you don't know what's going to be in your trap. And it's like you're getting these gifts every time because you do. You get these pelts that you can go tan and, and have as gifts or have as decorations. And they're they're really beautiful depending on what you catch and the quality of that animal. But so many people don't trap anymore because you're not going to make a living doing it. But it is really fun. So if you just want something to go do that you've never done before, you can get into it pretty cheap. You can do it on public land. You just have to check your traps every 24 hours. So you have to be kind of dedicated to that. And if you're not going to check them, you have to pull them. But you can just go get some some cage traps at the local hardware store or some dog-proof traps and just go try to trap a few raccoons. Take your kids and teach them that. Even if you just wanted to trap them and then let them go just for the trapping experience, you can do that as well. But trapping... Winter is the time of year to do that. That's when it is the season. And I think more people need to trap. More people need to learn to trap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's. it's important to take care of your property, and that's one way to do it. It is, and I, I want to make this point. I, I've said this in podcasts before, and I'll make it again because I've already talked about land management and, and what you should be doing in the winter for that. There's a reason we said trapping after that is because if you aren't doing things like timber stain improvement if you aren't managing the habitat then you shouldn't be trapping yet mm-hmm. I shouldn't say you shouldn't be trapping trapping is just for fun at that point yeah if you really want to be bettering your property and the wildlife populations start with the habitat then you can move into balancing their actual populations with trapping and, and actually the colder cooler temperatures for me personally is when i love to get out of chainsaw yeah so that's you and i are probably we've split wood cut wood you know we've done that in the summer and it isn't fun like i don't enjoy it it is just hard work enough but when you're doing it when it's not cold it's miserable yeah i mean when i was you know this is actually i just came to mind but um you know when i was a summer camp director we made trails and and these trails were were there through that property so that we could really use them all year round but cutting trail and making trail um 
I found it really enjoyable to do right in the winter months. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> I wasn't getting too hot. Got the chainsaw. Everything just felt good. It it was so much easier, you know. Doing that in the summer months, it was brutal, and yeah. it is a lot of hard work. It's hard work, period. And so doing it in the winter months just for me was a lot. I don't know. Felt I I loved getting the car hearts on. Felt good, <laughs> you know, having that protective layer, like um, getting the chaps on to where you know wearing chaps. Your actual when you're cutting down, you you really want to protect your legs. You gotta gotta wear wear something to protect your legs. Those things get hot, and it is so much more comfortable to do it in the winter months. Amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> Amen to that. Uh, if, you, if you've got chainsaw work that needs to be done, I, I definitely uh, suggest getting it done in the winter. You now know, here, we, we've shared a lot here, a lot of different tips and activities, and, and I hope you're feeling expired. Uh, ben, did you have something else you wanted to share? Yeah, the last one, and this is something that I've never done, but there's a lot of uh, people that, that are needing help. They need um, maybe it be money, maybe resources, but there are a lot of organizations that do a polar plunge and I haven't done them personally, but I know a lot of people that have. And so, um, if you're wanting, if you're looking for ways to give back, if you're like, you know what, Ben, Brian, winter time, I just want to stay indoors. I don't want to go out and do any of those things. Then let me challenge you with this. Find an area, find some sort of non-for-profit, one of these organizations that are doing a pole and plunge to give back to their community. It's just one day out of your winter. Pick it, go do it. Give back to your community that way. Yeah, that's a great tip. Giving back will always make you feel gratified, especially if it's pulling you out of your comfort zone. You really feel like you're serving and doing something for everybody else. I hope that these tips and these ideas are, are making you feel inspired. I hope you will go out and do some of these things. If you like what we're doing here with the podcast, we would love your financial support and help us to continue to grow and get this out to more people. Uh, the best way to do that is go to our social media accounts. There's a link, a link tree account or a link tree link on all of our social media. Once you click that, you'll see a Patreon option. Click on the Patreon option and you can sign up to become a member. We take five, ten, and twenty-five dollar monthly members. If you get the twenty-five dollar one, we're gonna mail a meant to be outdoors hat to your house. Also hit the automatic download, subscribe on whatever platform that you're listening. Leave us a review on our rating so that you can help us move up the charts so more more people get to see that. Also, we love to know how you think we are doing. As always, we appreciate you listening. And between now and our next episode, we hope that you find time to go do something cold outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.